Well, that was a blessing. Yes. Appreciate the eights and appreciate appreciate these uh, teenagers. I sort of our folks short notice on Sunday afternoon and Sunday. I said, let's uh, see if we get some teenagers going to Crossville. And uh, our, our parents worked on this and got them here tonight. So Amen. For that. And then we got some help for driving and so on. Appreciate Brother Jim Amen. and uh, Brother Daniel. And I don't appreciate Brother Bob Fisher and Brother Buddy Mason for being here. They stopped at uh, Longhorn Steakhouse, but they didn't invite me. <laughs> that doesn't seem quite right to treat you passionately. <laughs> They probably just we can't turn away back. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> they didn't want me to see how much they ate. <laughs> All right, Ephesians chapter six tonight, first Corinthians chapter eight. Last night's message I was not planning on preaching, but the Lord directed me. I'm convinced last night was of the Lord. Yes. Right. And because yes, I ended up on the subject of love, he redirected right. the message tonight. And that's okay. Now I told Cornerstone Sunday night, I started preaching a series on Sunday night. Everybody's all excited about it. I'm preaching a series on child training. Yeah. That'll get you in a lot of trouble, let me tell you. And I told them, I said, now y'all used to amen and have a good time when I preached on this, but some of you got a little lazy. So I told them, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you learn that you don't have to say amen. You can just say, that's right. <laughs> okay, so some of y'all don't like to say amen, so just practice on this. Say that's right. That's not that's right. You got to say it right. That's right. Y'all can say that. I'm gonna give you another one. You don't like to say amen? You go uh huh. See there? That's not so painful, is it? Or you can say this. Get them. We had a man in our church one time. I don't think anybody liked him. And I'd be preaching, and he'd say this. Get them, brother Ron. He was always innocent. It wasn't never let me have it. It was always get them. Y'all know what that's like, don't you? Amen. Let's take our Bibles. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Let me ask you to stand, please, as we honor the reading of the Word of God. I'm sure some of you probably heard some of this before. That's all right. It's never the same when I preach it. Amen. I've got a manuscript. I wouldn't know what to do with it. But uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 24, Grace... Amen. Be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the next two words? In sincerity. He says, Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Yes, sir. And then Paul does what every preacher has to do and amens himself. <laughs> right? Amen. He says, Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and in verse 3 very familiar. all of these are familiar verses you know these verses I just want to try to get you to think about them tonight Paul says but if any man love God the same is known of him let me just go ahead and get to this if you love God people know it yes sir I mean, they just know it. Right. They don't wonder. I was like, I wonder if he really loves God. Right. Amen. That's good. Right? Yes, sir. I wonder how many people know Amen, brother. that you love God. Yes, sir. Well, then I love God. Right. I call this message love beyond all measure. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I sure appreciate the singing tonight. Amen. Congregational singing and Amen. Lord, uh, the eights family, yes. Lord. I appreciate so much. Uh, the young people at Cornerstone, and yes, Lord, you've you, uh, given us some 
great families and parents worked it out Amen. on short notice to get these teenagers here. I'm really thankful. Amen. And uh, pray, Lord, that not only would uh, I want to pray for my own uh, young people here tonight that on the way home that talk about the message and talk about their role right. in our church and talk about the things of God. And, Lord, I know that they can have a good time. There's plenty right. of other things they can talk about that's wholesome, but I pray they wouldn't just take an hour and 15 minutes here, an hour and 15 minutes there, and not use it for something positive. Right. Would you please help them tonight? Amen. And Lord, more than anything, I want to help. ask you to help Victory Baptist Church. Lord. Yeah, I want to ask you to help uh, Brother Bob Schoolfield. Yes, sir. Uh, Lord, the ministry here. Right. God, uh, churches are closing their doors. Churches are abandoning the Word of God. Yeah, uh, churches are going contemporary. And Bible-believing churches in many places are struggling. God, I pray this church would resolve that they're going to stay by the stuff. Yes, sir. God, you help them tonight. Yes. I sure would appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. Be seated. So would you agree with me, based on Ephesians chapter 6, that not everybody loves the Lord in sincerity? Right. Amen. In other words, some love is not sincere. Amen. Is, that, is that a fair Amen. statement? Yes, sir. Now remember, I got saved at 18, called to preach at 18, started pastoring at 18, got married at 18, went to college at 18. I walked up to my pastor after I'd been saved about six months, and I said, uh, Brother Flat, I believe God's calling me to preach. He said, Wonderful, you're preaching next Sunday. <laughs> Brother, that is not the way to do it, is it? Please tell me you know better than me. And so I'm telling you, I preached the next Sunday, two people got saved. And he said to me after service, he said, now there's a little old church right down here. We'd love to have you come next Sunday. Could you? I said, okay. Folks, my, my, I had a three by five index card and that was all the notes I had when I preached. And, and it wasn't full. And I, I, I mean, it was pitiful. I couldn't have told you. I couldn't have quoted John 3.16. I couldn't have told you who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was. I, I couldn't have found the book of Ezekiel if my life depended on it. And I'm preaching. And I'm going all over the place in Warren County and in Van Buren County, and I'm just preaching wherever they needed a preacher. They'd just say, come over here and preach, come over there and preach. I drove up on Baker Mountain over in Spencer, Tennessee, little old church over there, and I preached to them on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and they asked me to come back, and I went back the next Sunday. And before I knew it, they called me to pastor the church. Amen. I was 19 years old and didn't know John 3.16 and was pastoring a church. But they loved me to death. There was about 13 people there. Hey, we tripled our attendance in three years. We got up to 39. Amen. Amen. And uh, those little old ladies had come up to me. I had one of them. She was like my mammy. We, I, had a, I had a grandmother. We called her mammy. I don't know if anybody's got a mammy. We hated going to granddaddies and mammies. We loved mammy. But we hated going over there. We loved her from a distance. She was one of those mammies that wanted to kiss you. And let me tell you something, 10-year-old boys don't like Mandy kissing them. And Mandy would kiss you and she'd grab your face like this and you couldn't turn. And she'd just smack you right there. I couldn't little, I mean wet, wet kiss. Oh, mama, I don't want to go to Mammy's house. Mammy will kiss me on the lips. We didn't like that when you're, when you're 12 years old. You don't even want anybody kissing you. Unless you're warped. Yeah, right. There's something wrong with you. And so I was 19 years old. I went up on this little mountain church and all them little old ladies just fell in love with me. They'd come over and kiss me on the cheek. They'd introduce me, Brother Bob. I'd be out somewhere and this, this is our little preacher. They call me the little preacher. 
I was bigger than they were, but I was their little preacher, you know. And that's just the way it was. And so they just they just made you feel so special. And, and they called me as pastor. And every time they'd go out the door, hug my neck. And I'd been there every bit of about three months. And I decided to preach on child training. Well, I didn't have any. <laughs> Did you know when you don't have kids, you're an expert? Right. Yeah. You know what you say when you don't have kids? I'll tell you what I'd do. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't have about three or four. You'll be begging somebody to tell you what to do. But you know, you, you people say you can't preach on that subject because you don't have kids. Well, I was just preaching the Bible. Yeah. Right, right. You ought to be able to preach the Bible whether you've got kids or not. The Bible says this. Yes, you should right. be able to preach it. But right. people don't like it when you don't have kids and you're preaching on it. And so I was in the middle of a sermon, and I was talking about some of you need to get your kids under control, and you don't need to really let them run all over the place during church. And I was just preaching on child training, and right in the middle of my sermon, I'm not making this up, a little old lady on the back pew stood up and said, You're just trying to run us off. <laughs> Last week, she was kissing me on the cheek. You know what? How, how green I was in 1979? When they said, I love you, Brother Ron, I actually believed yeah, it. Right. I didn't know better. Right. Not everybody that says, I love you. Amen, brother. You ever wonder when you're singing a song like, Oh, how I love Jesus? Right. Uh-huh. How much of it's coming out of here and how much is coming out of yes, here? Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. Amen, the Bible says that people can love God in sincerity, which clearly means that some people claim to love God, but it's not sincere. It's not real, if you will. And then the Bible says, as we said there in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, that if you really, really love God, people know the truth of the matter is people know who you love and they know what you love. People know some of you love the UT balls. You wear it all over yourself. Some people know you love deer hunting. You'll be in the tree stand before the sun comes up. They know you love deer hunting. People know who you love. People know what you love. You ever heard them say something like this? She worships the ground he walks on. She didn't tell them that, but you can just see it. He idolizes her. Why? You can see it. They don't have to tell you that they love each other. You can see it, right? People know who you love. People know what you love. And so there's sincere love and then there's love that's not sincere. Yeah. Second Corinthians 6 talks about love unfeigned. That means unpretentious. It's not fake. It's real. Love unfeigned. 1 John 4.18 talks about perfect love cast without fear. What's perfect love? That's mature love. That's 1 Corinthians 13. Which, by the way, the word is charity for a reason. Don't don't be a Bible believer and put on your wall the word love in 1 Corinthians 13. The word is charity. Don't change the Bible all of a sudden. You're a Bible believer, but love just sounds better on the wall. No, it doesn't. You know why the word charity is used? Because mature love is a love that gives instead of takes. Yes, sir. If you read 1 Corinthians 13, there's a description of that mature love. I want to talk about it just for a minute tonight because I believe it might help Victor Baptist, who I might even help those from Cornerstone here tonight. Mature love is a love that gives, but we're not just talking about money. We'll get to money later, but it's a love that gives grace. Amen. It's a love that gives space. Yes, sir. It's a love that gives some understanding. 
It's a love that gives forgiveness. Amen. It's a love that prefers one another, if you will. Amen. You know, I get tickled at people that use 1 Corinthians 13 at a wedding. Now that's okay, I'm not saying that's wrong. But 1 Corinthians 13 is not about a husband and a wife. It's about your church family. Amen. It's about your attitude towards your brother or sister that you go to church with. Yep. Yes, 1 Corinthians 13 is written to a local church. Yes. A carnal local church. Yes. A baby local church. Amen. And when he starts describing it, he's talking to that church and he says, Love, charity is the right word, suffereth long. Right. I like the way that's worded. Amen. Love suffers. <laughs> What's that mean? I want to tell y'all something tonight at Victory Baptist Church. I want to help y'all tonight, okay? I'm going to tell y'all how to please the Lord. That, that sound like a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. Just learn to put up with each other. Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. That's good. Just learn to put up with each other. Yes, sir. Amen. Love, charity, perfect love, right. suffereth long. Everybody bails out of their marriage nowadays. Everybody bails out of their church. Everybody bails out of their job. Amen. A little bit of conflict and off That's they right. go. That's right. I've, I've tried to teach Cornerstone for 32 years and I believe God's blessed our church. There's a lot of reasons I believe God's blessed our church. But I'm going to tell you one reason I believe God's blessed our church. We just learned to put up with each other. Amen. 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 I got some folks here tonight, Brother Buddy. I pick on Brother Buddy all the time. This is Brother Buddy Mason. I wish you could hear his testimony, what God's done in his life. But every now and then, Brother Buddy just gets on my nerves. Does anybody ever get on your nerves? Don't look spiritual. Do not. Don't fake it. Hey, sometimes my wife gets on my nerves. You watching? <laughs> Now this is really going to shock you. Every now and then I get on her nerves. Can you imagine that? <laughs> we just learn to put up with each other. Yes, sir. And just get through it. You don't bail out. You hang in there. Amen. And there's going to be some Sunday that Brother Bob Schoolfield's going to say something plumb nuts. It's going to, it ain't going to sound doctrinally right. It's going to sound like he's insensitive. It's going to sound like he didn't get any studying in this week. I don't know what's going to happen, but he's going to say something. You're not going to like it. Tough. Endure it. Yes, sir. I'm really serious about this. I believe the problem with so many people in America, we've got this entitlement philosophy. We think everybody's supposed to just treat us like royalty. It's always got to go our way or the highway. If you want to be a good, strong church, learn to put up with each other. Yes. Amen. That's good. We've had people in our church. Every, every church has every now and then a clown, right. a, 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 a bozo. Right. Okay, an idiot. <laughs> Don't have a church have one? Yeah. Y'all ain't got one here? I'll send you a couple. <laughs> and I could tell you some stories. I'm going to. See, this is why I don't like live streaming, but I'm going to tell it anyway. If he hears it, he needs to hear it. We had a guy in our church, I'd be preaching, and here's what he'd say constantly. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. You remember him, brother, buddy? Drove us crazy. And I said, brother, do you understand you need to quit saying that so often? He said, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> drove us crazy. But you know what we did? We just sort of chuckled and put up with him. We had some grace. Right. Don't you know that Peter got on James' nerves? 
Don't you know that James and John got on Peter's nerves? Don't you know that we're all frail creatures of dust? Ain't none of us worth shooting. We're animated dirt balls. Don't be so spiritual that you can't put up with somebody that's not quite as spiritual as you are yet. That'll help you. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about mature love. I'm talking about 1 Corinthians 13. The word is charity, and it suffereth long, it's kind. It envieth not. It vaunteth not itself. Somebody said about that phrase, vaunteth not itself, it maketh no parade and has no swagger. Boy, in the bend the Baptist have a swagger. That passage says that mature love, that charity is unseemly, it's not rude, it seeketh not her own, it's not easily provoked. You ever thought about that? You're supposed to be mature and the first little thing somebody does to wrong you and you're ready to annihilate them. Amen. Practice character assassination for right. two weeks. Right. Well, that's good. That's good. he got on to my kid because he was a running in the church. <laughs> she told my little granddaughter that she needed to be quiet. She did need to be quiet. Yeah. Amen. I'm, I could go on and on and on tonight. The Bible says charity is not easily provoked. You know what that means? Doesn't have a hair trigger temper. Amen. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Oh, how I could preach tonight yes. on mature love. So mature love gives. It gives grace and it gives space. It gives. I, I'm so glad that I and I don't. I didn't have no sense to do this, so it had to be God. I've taught our church that clicks are okay. It's just okay that you don't right. necessarily spend a lot of time with everybody yeah. in the church because you, you get on each other's nerves. Right. You're different. Right. Acknowledge your differences. Don't be haughty and proud about it. Just acknowledge that you're different. Right. And you don't necessarily like this guy's personality. I told you before, there's some missionaries we support. I don't even like them. <laughs> but they're doing a great job. <laughs> and they're doing a lot better job in a third world country than I would. Just because I don't like their personality don't mean I can't love them and pray for them. Because I do love them. And I pray for them. I read probably a dozen prayer letters this morning. There's guys on there, you know, I don't necessarily want to spend all day with them. We don't necessarily have the same likes. He he may like to fish. I don't. Okay? I like to play tennis. He might not like to play tennis. So when I go play tennis, I don't call him. (laughs) That's Okay. Are you getting what I'm trying yeah. to tell you? Oh, yes. Yes, sir. So I'm talking about tonight this thing called real, mature love called charity in 1 Corinthians 13. And the Bible says if you really love God, people know it. Amen. Now, you don't have to be a Greek scholar. You don't have to know the Greek and the Hebrew to know that there's, there's at least in your Bible five different kinds of love. And you just read the context and figure this out. That's all there is to it. Number one, I call it prejudicial love. This is, this is an introduction of the sermon, okay? I just decided this is my last night here, so Amen. I'm just going to take my time. Yeah. I've been Amen. on the road three yeah. hours Amen. every night coming over here, yeah. so I ought to at least be able to preach half that time. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Deal. So I just want to real quick go on these five different kinds of love. The first one, I call it prejudicial love. You could call it parental love. Right. Yeah. But it's prejudiced. Let's just be honest. You love your kids more than you do mine. Right. 
Did you know that you loved that child of yours before it was even born? Yes, sir. And that's okay. It's yours. You ought to be prejudiced and love your kids before they're even born. Now, some of you, it leads you to lie. You, somebody come see your little three-year-old. Three-day-old. Three-day-old. Ain't he the cutest thing you ever saw? No, it looks like a shriveled up balloon. <laughs> now, you wouldn't say that. You couldn't tell them the truth. My mother would tell you the truth. I had a brother. His name was Billy. Billy was the best looking of all the boys in our family. He's a good looking guy. He was in the military. He's in heaven now. I preached his funeral. He's only two years older than me. But she told Billy one time he was a teenager. He was getting a little stuck on himself. But she said, Billy, just to be quite honest with you, you was the ugliest baby I ever saw. His mama told him that. Most mamas are not that honest. But, but you're prejudiced. You think your child is the smartest and the cutest and the most athletic and the most intellectual and until they get a certain age and then you realize you've got a real problem on your hands. <laughs> call it parental love. Call it prejudicial love. It's a form of love. Then there's this thing we call puppy love. It's really emotional love. It's, it's what you say when you say, oh, I'm, I'm in love. <laughs> oh, you're not. You're in lust. Right, man. Right. Amen, it's what Amnon had for Tamar. Yep. Yeah. Oh, he was in love. Then he got what he wanted, and the Bible said he hated That's right. That's right. In the same chapter, he loved her and hated her. Yes, sir. That's, right. That's not a very mature love, if you ask me. Amen. I'm just talking about you call it what you want to. I just call it puppy love. It'll get you girls in trouble. Right. You, there's six of you. Boy, y'all picked the wrong place to sit. <laughs> get them. Chloe, you're the oldest, aren't you? Guess who I'm fixing to pick up? Look at me when I talk to you. This is Brother Jim Britton's daughter, okay? I can get away with this. When a boy looks at you and says, Chloe. Slap him. Slap him as hard as you can. And then take off running. Daddy! even know what love means. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? Right. You've seen it. It's just the way it is. There's this parental prejudicial love and then there's this thing called puppy love and then there's it, it's, a, it's a proven love. Yeah. Right. It's, it's grown and it's developed through trials and troubles and it's still there. Yes, sir. Yeah. Two little girls were discussing love and the first one said love is when mommy's real tired but still reads you a bedtime story. The next little girl said, yes, and true love is when she don't skip any pages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true love. Somebody said there's two secrets. You men need to get a hold of this. Two secrets to a loving, healthy marriage. When you're wrong, admit it. When you're right, shut up. <laughs> Save you a lot of headaches. I asked an older fellow one time the secret to his long marriage. He'd been married for 45 years. He said, it's real simple. He said, we take time to go out and eat two times every single week. We candle out soft music, peaceful atmosphere. She goes Tuesday and I go Friday. <laughs> I'll help some of them. So there's prejudicial love and there's puppy love and there's proven love. And then there's this is an amazing thing. There's a predetermined love. It's commanded. Yes. Amen. Would you hear me? Husbands, right. love yeah. your wives. That's right. Amen. That's a command.
that you love one another. That's a command. Yes, sir. It's just predetermined that if you're saved, you're saved, you are commanded to love him. Yeah. Right? Yes, sir. It just dawned on them. We got some people engaged to get married. December the 9th. Right here. Right? Sir. You better pay attention. Because <laughs> on certain days, you're commanded to love her. Right. And she ain't going to be real lovable. Well, she is right now. She's trying to impress you. So you wait about you Right now, if you went over to her house, you'd have a feast. I mean, she'd cook for you. And six months into the marriage, it's toast. <laughs> Burnt toast. <laughs> and you're still commanded to love her. You got out of bed at 4 o'clock, went to work, called her at 9 o'clock. Well, hello. <laughs> and you're commanded to love her. I literally have had couples sitting in my study looking for a divorce. And I say to him, why do you want a divorce? I don't love her anymore. I say, what's that got to do with anything? Yeah, right. Amen. That's what I ask you. Yeah. I've asked women that same question. I thought you said for better or for worse. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you made a promise to God. Yeah. You know how to keep your marriage intact? Your commitment to God. Just going to make the commitment to God. It's for life. I'll give you a commandment. The greatest commandment. The first and greatest commandment. What is it? Love the yes. Lord thy God. You're commanded to love Him. It's a command. It's, you, can, you know what that tells me? You can choose to love. Amen. If you're commanded to love, you can choose to obey the command. So there's these different kinds of love. Prejudicial love, puppy love, proven love, predetermined love. And then there's perfect love. Amen. Yes. And that's the mature love. That's the divine love. That's the selfless love. Yes, sir. Of John 3.16 for God. So love. Yes. That's right. Amen. The world that He gave. Amen. It's the supernatural love of Romans 5, 5 that says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can love people supernaturally. Amen. Yes, sir. That's the perfect love we're commanded to obey. Did you know perfect love is consumed with its recipient? Right. Less than that kind of love is consumed with self. And that's our problem. Amen. 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 Now I've said many times in my church, and I'll say it here tonight, I want to help you. I've used, I used to say people don't care like they used to. And that's true. Amen. But to be more specific tonight, people don't love like they used to. Amen. That's right, man. Yes, sir. In the 50s and 60s in America, lost people cared more about their neighbors than saved people did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's very true. People just cared about each other. Right. It was before technology. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Before we had been desensitized. That's right. Yes, sir. When my daddy died, he was a drunk. He was 42 and looked 65. He beat my mama. He beat the kids. He was in prison most of his life. Jail or prison or in a fight or drunk. I've seen, I've seen three and four policemen tackle him at a basketball game and try to handcuff him to take him off to jail. Back in the 60s when someone like that died, they put the casket in the living room of his home and everybody in the community came by. They paid their respects to my mama. And now, 
Funerals and weddings are an example of how fouled up our culture yeah, That's right. Amen. The respect and the love is not what it used to be. Amen. But God's people have no excuse. Sir. You know how I know this culture's had more effect on us than we've had on it? Because we're more like them than they are. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's right. I'm talking about this thing of perfect love, mature love. The Bible says in Matthew that in the last days the love of many shall wax cold. Ephesians 4 says we'll get past feeling. You know, when they talk about unnatural affection, we always talk about sodomy or, or homosexuality. How about a brother that doesn't love a brother in Christ? That's unnatural. Yes, yeah, sir. Right. Good point. It ought to be normal for you to love your pastor and love your church family and love your wife and love your kids. That ought to be natural. And some of you men have a hard time loving your own wife. Because you're in love with yourself. That's good preaching. That's what's wrong with this country, among other things. People talk about how this technology has, has dumbed us down. I tell everybody it has numbed us down. It's made us numb and, and, and we're yeah. insensitive. Yes. The Bible says it, uh, Romans 8, 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Right? So when you're carnally minded, listen, carnal things are not all wrong. Food is a carnal thing. It's okay to like a good meal. It's okay. You know what I like? I still like it to this day. Pinto beans, fried potatoes, cornbread, coleslaw, corn on the cob, and a big old onion. And tea. You say, why didn't you say sweet tea? Because if it's tea, it's sweet. Any northerners here? I'm just saying to you that, that, hey, I still like food. It's okay to like food, but it's not okay to mind food. It's okay to like your house, but don't mind it. It's okay to like your truck, but don't mind it. It's okay to like hunting, but don't like it. Those things are not supposed to control you. My mama used to say, you better mind me. Amen. Carnal things have their place. But listen, you've got to own them. You can't let them own you. Because when those things control your life, like many of you young people, the technology is controlling your life. I've been preaching on it for 32 years. I'm going to keep preaching on it, and you're going to keep getting mad at me. When it controls you, it leads to you being spiritually dead. I didn't say lost. I said spiritually dead. The only thing that appeals to you is the next video game or the next movie or the next clip or the next YouTube or whatever it is. And that stuff is life to you, and that moves you, and that stirs you, and then you come to church and they sing, It is well with my soul, and you're going, That's right. Yeah, come on. Yes, sir. So you're dead to yeah. spiritual things. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. You're supposed to be alive. But when you live in this materialistic culture, listen, victory, listen to me. Cold Hill, Cornerstone, listen to me. This world is out to destroy That's us. Right. That's correct, sir. And when we allow this materialistic cultural world, there was a guy that got in trouble. Uh, by getting drunk and running over somebody and killing them in Texas about 30 years ago, he got off scot-free. The judge said his problem was that he had a disease called affluenza. True story. Affluence. And his parents had so spoiled him and catered to him, they said he wasn't liable. That's a sick culture. Yes, sir. And every one of us have that disease. Affluenza. All of the stuff that we're so accustomed to having. Amen. And when you and when you live 
given over to minding carnal things, physical things, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to pray three minutes without going to sleep. Yeah, Amen. that's good. You're not gonna read one page of your Bible and know what you read. That's good. You know why? Because the carnal mind leads to death. Amen. Everybody understand what I'm saying? And that's the reason we're so insensitive. That's the reason we don't care like people used to care. That's the reason we're not moved by the things that ought to move us. And the Bible calls it in Mark chapter 3, the hardness of the heart. Jesus said this in 1 John chapter 4. Please listen to this. This commandment have we from Him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. That's not the Lord Jesus. That's John that said that. Please hear that again. Listen to it. It says that he who loveth God, love his brother also. If I don't love this brother right here, it's not his fault. That's right. The problem is I don't love God like I ought to. Amen. And if I love God like I ought to, I'd love Him like I ought to. Y'all getting this? Our problem, we want to say, I don't love Him. I'm going to tell you something about that guy. I'm going to tell you something about that lady. I'm going to tell you something about Him. I'm going to tell you something about her. Well, the problem is not them. The problem is you. Amen. If you love the Lord like you ought to, you'd love others like you ought to. You say, I just can't love them the way they are. Well, did God love you the way you are? Amen. You need to think about it. See, the supernatural love of Romans 5 is that if God could love you in your stinking mess, after you, 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 just, you just ignored Him for years and you had nothing to do with Him, and so many times He's told you to do something and you didn't do it, and you're supposed to read your Bible and learn about Him, but you refuse to read your Bible. You're supposed to pray and commune and fellowship with Him, but you refuse, and He still loved you anyway. And why can't you love that person yeah. that just rubbed you a little bit wrong? Yeah, sure. yeah. You know why? Because you don't love God. If we love God like we ought to, we love our brother and sister like we ought to, we love our church family like we ought to, it's a pretty obvious thing. Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Boy, I am feeling so good tonight because I made up my mind I wouldn't go worry about the clock. Amen. 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 John 14, verse 15. What's the first word? Heal. You love me. Keep my commandments. Now, I'm not for sure, but based on my understanding of the English language, Jesus got through saying right there, if you love me, you'll do what I say. That's right. Right? Yes, sir. Amen. Okay, look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, what's the first word? If. A man love me, he will keep my words. In verse 28, verse 28, you have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. Next word. If, if you love me. I'm beginning to think Jesus is questioning their love. Yes, sir. If you love me. If you love me. If you love me. But look what he says in verse 31. Look what Jesus Christ says in verse 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Amen. You know what Jesus just said? Jesus said, I don't just want my Father to know I love Him. I want the world to know I love Him. And the way the world's going to know that I love Him is I do what He says. Amen. 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 Oh, to God tonight. Yeah. Every young man, young lady, every church member, every man and woman in here would realize if you really loved God like you're supposed to, yeah. you'd just do what He said. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Amen. And Amen. the world will know there's something different about you. 
Amen. Man, I can tell you something about them people. They love God. Yes, sir. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? Amen. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Look at verse 15. Verse 15. He says, all things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take up... up I'm, I'm sorry, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's not what I'm looking for. Chapter 14, verse 15. I missed that. I started out with this one. If you love me, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, now I want to ask you if I can if I can read this this way. Is Jesus not in essence saying, if you love me, prove it? Amen. Yes, sir. That's what he's saying. Right. So when you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul's talking to those churches about giving like the churches of Macedonia. He said, you need to look what's going on in Philippi. Yeah. I mean, those folks in Philippi are amazing. He said, he said, you ought to look at them folks in Macedonia. Man, they're poor, and they're going through a hard time, and they just keep giving Amen. and keep giving Amen. and keep giving. And he says to the church there in Philippi, or in Corinth, he says in 2 Corinthians 8, you need to learn from them and give like they give to prove the sincerity of your love. He says twice, your giving proves what you love. You know what I know about some of you? You love pickup trucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I know about some of you? You love pistols. Right. Sure. Oh, yeah. You know what I know about some of you girls? You love clothes. <laughs> Jewelry. Attention. Yeah. Right. You can tell what girls love, can't you? Yeah. You can tell what guys love. Yes, and sir. one of the ways you can tell is what they're willing to spend money on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. We were at youth camp one year over at East Tennessee, and we had about 150 kids there that week, so it was one of our bigger youth camps. And some old boy came up to me and tore all two pieces. And he said, Brother Rob, I know we weren't supposed to be about that pond. That pond up there is yucky. And I mean, you could almost walk on the water. It's so thick. <laughs> That old algae, you know? Brother Ross, I was up down there at the pond and I lost my sunglasses. And I said, well, what's the big deal? He said, they were Oakleys. I said, what's an Oakley? <laughs> he said, you don't know what Oakley sunglasses are? He said, Brother Ron, they cost me $200. I said, and I knew the boy. I called him and I said, you telling me you pay $200 for a pair of sunglasses? He said, yes, sir. And I said, and you've been over and lost them in that pond? He said, yes, sir. I said, whoa, I'm glad. <laughs> a 14-year-old boy spending $200 on a pair of sunglasses? That boy loves himself. Yeah. 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 That's it. <laughs> I, hey. Paul, the apostle, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, says it twice. What you do with your money right. proves what yes. you love. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes. Amen. You know, it'd be a real crying shame if you get to heaven and find out you spent more money on dog food than right. you did on missionaries. Amen. Uh-oh. Yes, sir. Come on. Well, that went across well. I'll tell you something even worse. Cat food. <laughs> If you spend more money on cat food than you do missions, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Amen. Boy, I got some good amens out of that. I should have got a uh-huh, that's right. Yeah. Wouldn't it be something if you get to heaven and it's revealed that you spent more money on cable TV? Yes, sir. 
than you did missions. Right. iPhones? Yeah. What you spend your money on tells us what you love. That's right. More money on Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Than missions? See, people all the time say to me, Brother Ron, I'm telling you, I just can't give any more missions. Now listen, if you can't give any more, that's okay. But if you've got cable TV, you can give more. Yeah, yeah. Just make a choice. I can either make a difference in India, in China, in the Philippines, or I can sit up and watch stuff all night long that I don't need to be watching. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and getting lazier and fat. Yeah. Drinking my Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's what Paul teaches us that what we spend our money on says a lot about what we love. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Don't just sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Amen. Don't just tell me you love yes, missionaries. Don't just tell me you love souls. Prove it. Yes, sir. That's what the Bible teaches. Independent Baptists get mad at me because I preach on this thing because they say these TV preachers are always asking for money. I'm not asking you for a penny for myself. I'm telling you, you ought to want to support missionaries. Yes. Amen. And it is your responsibility to get the gospel to Yes, sir. Yes. And our problem is not. People say, are you taking all that money from them poor people? Poor people? Eating out four times a week? Amen, brother. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, Ron and I decided we're just going to quit eating out on Sunday. I don't think it's a sin to eat out on Sunday. I'm not saying it's wrong to eat right. out on Sunday. Right. We just decided every time we was going to the restaurant, you're talking 50 60 70 dollars a pop. Yeah, that's right. right. Well, if it's now, what, what is it now if it was that much 50 60 year, uh, uh, 25 years ago, if you got four people, it's going to cost you, what, $70 to go out and eat? 60 50 that's, that's on a Sunday. You do that every Sunday. That's $200 you could give to missions. Right, Instead of going to a restaurant and spending 50 or $60 and complaining because they didn't get your order right and well, fussing because the music was too loud and you about froze to death. Well, <laughs> and you go home fussing after you spent 50 $60 and you could have went home, had your wife's cooking and had your own environment, listened to your own music and spend yep. time with your family and actually have a face-to-face -face conversation with somebody that lives in the same house you do. Yeah, that's good. Amen. And you can't get more admission. I think you can. I think all of us know that there's a lot of things we love too much. Yes, sir. Amen. And we can do better. Amen. See, I want to ask you this question. Why do we not love God more? Because we have too many other lives. Right. Does anybody remember the last point from the message last night? How John got in that inner circle? It's called that circle of isolation or seclusion. There's other things you've got to turn loose of if you're going to spend time with God and love on Him and get close to Him. But we've got too many lives. Do you believe your love can be spread too thin? You know what a lot of women have said? I believe you love that truck more than you love me. I believe you love them stupid football games more than you love me. I bet a lot of women have said that. I've heard it from some of them. Right. He loves his fishing buddies more than he does his own family. Right. Well, now some people are getting uncomfortable. Yeah, 
You know I'm telling you the truth. Listen, too many loves, too many loves will cause one of those loves to question whether you love at all. Yeah, right. Right. Because I, I, I'm amazed at men, honestly. I'm amazed at husbands who want to justify being gone every Saturday to do what they want to do. Right. Right. While the wife's taking care of four and five kids with a back breaking, yeah. head right. popping headache. Yes, yeah. sir. And that woman feels so lonely. Right. And she wonders if her husband loves you love them. Dog. I, I preached at a wedding one time and I was doing pre-marriage counseling, true story. And I asked the man, I said, Now when you marry her, what is it you're gonna have trouble giving up? What is it that you you're gonna you know that could come between you and your wife and you're gonna have to do something about it? And boy, he was he was almost sweating. He said, Coon hunting. <laughs> I said, you're a little concerned about giving up coon hunting. He said, yeah, it's going to be tough. I said, you're going to marry this woman right here? He said, yeah. This was a relative of mine. I said, when do you coon hunt? He said, in the night. I said, when? He said, 10, 11 o'clock. I said, when do you get home? He said, 2, 3 o'clock. I said, you're fixing to marry her. And you're going to have a struggle whether or not you want to go into the woods with a bunch of dogs or go home to her. Well... That's what I asked. And she's, the, the wheels are turning in her mind. Now she's looking at him like, you going to have a problem with this? <laughs> <laughs> you love coons and dogs? Everybody okay? Yeah. I think sometimes the Lord, if he really wanted to be rough on us, right. would say, you mean to tell me that you'd rather do that than to spend time with me. Right. That's good. And then you get up on Sunday and say, oh, how I love Jesus. Right. I'm just being honest with you tonight. Paul said, Demas have forsaken thee, having loved right. this present world. Diotrephes loveth to have the preeminence. In the Bible, there's lovers of money. There's lovers of their own selves. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They love the praise of men. They love the chief seats in the synagogue. They love their titles. They love their comfort. They love a lot of things more you turn to John 5. I want to show you one of the most convicting verses. When I read it, I cringe sometimes. John chapter 5. Now here's what amazes me. 1 John 2, 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things. It, I love that word, things. You know what Americans love? Things. We just love things. This one gets me. John chapter 5, verse 42. Jesus looks at them and says this, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. Well, I've got that under my Bible. Jesus says, I know whether or not you love me. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? So don't kid God tonight. You can kid me, you can kid yourself, you can fool your wife, you can fool your kids, you can fool your husband, you ain't fooling him. Amen. He knows what and who you really love. And so, as I start to try to wrap this up, please bear with me a few more minutes. The Bible says, I teaches, love is a decision. Right. Please hear me. Love is a decision. The psalmist in Psalm 18 once said this, I will love thee, O Lord. Right. Yeah. Amen. He said, you know what? I'm going to love the Lord. Amen. 
He made a decision. Love is a decision. I can illustrate it in a thousand ways. Have you ever looked at a young lady, a young girl, maybe they're not married yet, a young girl, a young guy, and you're thinking, what in this world is she seeing him? Oh, yeah. Have y'all ever had that thought? Oh, yeah. What in this world does she see in him? Or you said this, boy, I'll tell you one thing, she's sure enough got to love him to put up with that. She's got to love him to really put up with that. Right. Plenty of people wonder what you see in certain things. Did you know I had a man in my church one time, he said this about golf. People love to play golf. And I used to love to play golf. And he'd say, I've never seen anything like it. A bunch of grown men out there with a stick in their hand swatting at a ball out in a cow pasture. And that's why he'd describe golf. Because in his mind, how could you possibly love golf? But then another man in my church loved fishing. Another man in my church loves hunting. Here's the one that gets me. People that claim to love beer. Can I tell y'all something? I drank whiskey when I was five. My daddy made me. And by the time I was 10 or 12, I tried beer numerous times. And when I was 14, I think it was 14, is the last time I ever drank beer, I was with a bunch of my buddies. And by this time, I'm beginning to be my own person, which everybody should be. Yeah. And a bunch of them said, Drink that. I said, I don't want it. You know what kids do? Chicken. You're afraid. Sissy. And so I grabbed a 16-ounce country club beer and turned it up and killed it. And I put it down. I looked at those guys. I said, that's the nastiest stuff I've ever drank in my life. And I've never drank one since. You know what? If you drink beer and love it, you have to train yourself Amen. to love it. That's correct. You didn't love it the first time. Don't tell me you did. I'll tell you you're a liar. <laughs> You sure didn't like that tobacco the first time you ever tried it. I played baseball. I, one of my heroes was Pete Rose and Rod Carew and, and Harmon Killebrew. Call you Skrimsky and some of those old timers. And, and call, uh, the guy was uh, uh, Rod Carew. He played, I think, for the Minnesota Twins. And when he was batting, he was left-handed. He had a chaw tobacco. His jaw looked like that guy, Louis Armstrong, that played the trumpet. You know, <laughs> popped out. But he had so much tobacco in there. And they asked him, he said, why do you chew so much tobacco? He said, oh, that's, that's the way I hit. He said, when I put that tobacco in there, it helps me to keep my eye open. <laughs> <laughs> so a bunch of my buddies was playing baseball one time. They said, take a chew. Hand me a bag of red, man. That stuff. Come on. Scared? I put a big old chocolate stuff in my jaw. Brother, two minutes later, I thought I was going to die. You can't tell me you liked that the first time you ever put it in your You know what I know? You chose to love it. Yes, sir. That's right. You stick it to me. Very good. That's tough right there. Yeah. Now, if you think I'm making fun of you, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just showing you what you look like. It's not smart. I, I know there's probably some difference in yours in here. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm trying to tell you, you chose to love. Yes, sir. Why can't you choose to love Jesus? That's good. That's good. I listen. I like Dr. Pepper. It ain't good for me. I decided to go without it one time. I went for about four or five years and never drank a Dr. Pepper. The next time I picked one up, it tasted like whiskey. Really? But Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew, my goodness, if you love that stuff, you had to choose to love that stuff. Amen. Am I talking about your mom now? She used to be bad, didn't she? She got over it. She's no longer drunk. 
Now, y'all, I'm trying to make a point. You choose to love things. Yes, sir. That's right. Yes, sir. I believe I read somewhere where it said, set your affection. Yes, sir. Right. That's right. You determine your own affection. Right. You've some of you have chosen to love Facebook Marketplace. Right. You're on there an hour every day looking for something you don't need. Yeah. And you can't spend five minutes reading your Bible. Amen. Am I right? Why can't you choose to love the Bible? Why can't you choose to love the Lord? Why can't you choose to love the church? I'm just telling you, biblically speaking, love is a decision. Now I've got to hurry because I'm losing some of you. Love has degrees. Yeah. Love is a decision. Love has degrees. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to hate your mama. I can read from Genesis 37 what that word hate means. Because the Bible says, Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. But the next verse says, when God saw that Leah was hated. Hate just means to love less. That's what it means. You know what you need to do? Decide to love Jesus more. Amen. Yes, sir. Love has degrees. Love is a decision. Love can be developed. Yeah. The Bible says where your treasure is, right. it will your heart be. Yes, yes. yes. So if you start treasuring something, eventually your heart will get in it. Amen. Just make up your mind you're going to love missions. Amen. Eventually your heart will get in it. Yes, sir. That's how people learn to love alcohol, right. love deer hunting. Love, you, you know, you Amen. grow up in a home where daddy loved it, you love it. It gets in you. You cultivate it. You develop it. it I'm, not be, I'm not beating you up for this truth. It's just the truth. Okay, don't think I'm beating you up. Love is a decision. Love has degrees. Love can be developed. Love displays itself. Love displays itself. Have you ever seen a boy 16 in love? It's just seen, You can see it all over him, can't you? Oh, yeah. He looks like a total idiot. I mean, he is brain dead. Ain't nothing else going on in the world. He is awestruck. And, and you don't have to ask him what's going on. That boy's in love. Right? I'll close this. After the resurrection, the Lord told him to wait. He'd meet him. Peter got tired of waiting. Didn't he? You know what he said? I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. And finally when the Lord shows up, he said, Peter, I'll talk to you. Lovest thou me more than these? And every Bible student is trying to figure out what these are. Now the Lord could be saying, you love me more than these fish? I told you to wait on me, but you went to the fish. You say, well, nobody would love fish more than the Lord. Are you kidding me? I know plenty of people that love fishing more than they love the Lord. I had a man in my church admitted it. He said, I just love fishing more than I love the Lord. He had to change that love. He had to make some decisions. But when, when the Lord asked Peter that, he could be saying, do you love me more than these fish? Or he could be saying, do you love me more than you love these disciples? Because you didn't wait on me, but you took them with you. Maybe you love these disciples more than you love me. But here's what I think he was saying. Peter, do you really love me more than these disciples love me? Because when we were together, before I got crucified, you stood up and said, I'll go with you all the way to the end. Yeah. Everybody else around here may forsake you, but not me. Right. Peter, do you really love me more than they do? And so he says three times, you love me? You love me? Well, Peter's getting frustrated. He says, Lord, you know that I love you. And so the Lord says, okay, prove it. Yeah. 
No, that's not the words he uses. He says, all right, then obey my commandments. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. You really love me? Show me your love. The message tonight is, you love him? Show him. And let the whole world know you love Jesus. You know what I wish you'd do tonight? I wish you'd just get in the altar and say, Lord, I love you. How long has it been since he heard those words from your lips? Brother Bob, I'm ashamed of myself. You know what I say to, to the Lord sometimes? I get on my face and I say, Lord, I love you. And not like I ought to. Lord, I want to love you like I ought to. I used to preach a message on love of the Lord. The title of it was this, the one thing that would fix everything. If I loved him like I ought to, it'd fix every problem. Wow. That's right. I wouldn't have any trouble with this, brother, if I loved the Lord like I ought to. I wouldn't have any trouble reading my Bible if I loved the Lord like I ought to. I wouldn't have any trouble supporting missionaries if I loved the Lord like I ought to. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? That's right. I just need to choose to love him. Amen. Let's all stand. Ask the brother.